everyone, and welcome to the Dayson Digest. This week's episode focuses on an article that was published in AJHP on May 26th of 2021. The topic I know is a common one for many of our stewards out there. Uh, the title of the article is Optimizing Preoperative Antibiotics in Patients with Beta-Lactam Allergies, a Role for Pharmacy. And we are super excited today because we are joined by the lead author on the publication, Shana Kwiatkowski, who completed this work while she was a PGY1 pharmacy resident at Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit. Hi, Shana, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me and looking forward to discussing how to manage these beta-lactam allergies in the perioperative setting. We are so pleased that you could join us. Um, this is a pretty ambitious PGY1 residency project. Tell us what made you pick this intervention. Yeah, beta-lactam allergies are really one of my biggest stewardship pet peeves, and uh, many of these just go unclarified and persist on the chart for these patients almost for a lifetime, and um, some of these allergies can go away over time or are just documented inaccurately. And surgical infection prophylaxis is one of the major areas where antibiotic choice um, of first-line versus alternatives is based on the patient's uh, allergy history. Um, and national guidelines do recommend clarifying these allergies before giving alternative antibiotics. Um, but at our institution, we did not have an established process of clarifying these allergies before a procedure. So this led us to discuss a pharmacy-led intervention and uh, we collaborated with our colleagues at our perioperative optimization clinic and allergy clinics to help bridge this gap in care. That's wonderful. I'm going to go ahead and just sort of steal the thunder and share the big results. You were able to show an impressive increase in patients getting cefazolin or beta-lactams from 28% in your pre-group to 65% with this pharmacy-led intervention. And I was also impressed with the fact that not only were you able to drive the preoperative prophylactic agent to the preferred beta-lactam, you also helped the providers to correctly identify patients at risk for MRSA and get the vancomycin added in more commonly in the post-intervention group, which is excellent. And while doing this, you saw no surgical site infections and no cases of C. difficile in your intervention group looking at a 30-day endpoint. So those are all things that are very much of interest to the DASON team. And when we saw this, our group talked about it, and this is why I wanted to bring you in, because I think sometimes we see these interventions out there in the literature and we struggle with how to bring them to our local facilities. So we have hospitals of all types um, with surgical volumes about that of Henry Ford in some cases and in other cases much smaller. And so I really wanted to spend our time together getting some of the specifics from you about how you did this, where you did this, and um, just points and tips and tricks. So real practical advice for our DASON members who are listening today. I noted that in the methods of your paper, you talked about the efforts you took to engage key stakeholders. And specifically, this included infectious diseases, surgery, anesthesiology, and allergy. And I know that's so important to a successful stewardship intervention, but can you help comment on anything you learned during that process of getting those stakeholders on board that might be helpful to someone considering a similar intervention? Yeah, definitely. These meetings with the key stakeholders were essential for ironing out the process and approving the implementation materials. 
Um, so what we did was meet with the lead physicians from the perioperative optimization clinic and the allergy clinics to propose our initiative and get their input on how pharmacy can integrate into their existing process. Um, before we met with them, we did review their departmental strategic goals and plans just to see where our initiative fell in line with their existing goals so that we can uh, explain the benefits that we can offer to the clinics. So for surgeries, um, there's a potential to avoid vancomycin alternative therapy that has a long infusion time, which could potentially delay time to incision, as well as other outcomes that they care about, like surgical site infections and um, potentially lower length of stay and cost. And for allergy, um, this could potentially increase their visits for penicillin skin testing and revenue. For the optimization clinic, we did ask them a, num a number of questions to try to understand um, what kind of patients they're seeing. So we asked what procedures have been done through the optimization clinic. How many procedures do they do per week? Just to get a sense of how many patients would actually have a beta-lactam allergy. Um, we did make an assumption that 10% of the general population does have a beta-lactam allergy. So um, taking the assumption of 10% of those having procedures, this could be our volume that we, we um, encounter. Um, we also wanted to get a sense of how they handle allergies um, currently. So for our optimization clinic, they just had nurses confirm and uh, just gather the allergies, but they didn't ask specific questions about the beta-lactam allergy specifically. So that's where we identified our gap. We also wanted to ask them how they ordered preoperative antibiotics and how those were finalized. Um, originally, when we were trying to come up with the intervention, we wanted to see if the pharmacist could enter in the orders for the antibiotics in advance using a sign and hold function in our electronic medical record. But we quickly realized that this led to duplicate orders and duplicate work. So we decided to forego that um, option in our implementation plan. Um, we also got their opinion on the best time to actually conduct the allergy interview. And uh, for us, it, wor it worked out best to call them a week before their optimization clinic appointment, just because this inf information that we collected could be available to the provider at the time of the clinic visit. Um, we also discussed how the surgeons and anesthesiologists would like to be notified of the pharmacist's recommendation. So for this, um, the pharmacist wrote a note in the chart, um, like a telephone encounter, that included all the details about the beta-lactam allergy history, as well as our recommendation for either first-line antibiotics, alternatives, or a referral to allergy. And this note was routed to the surgeon or anesthesiologist on the case so that they were aware that this intervention took place. Um, for the allergy clinic, we really wanted to get an idea of what the referral process was like. Um, luckily for Henry Ford, we do have uh, affiliated Henry Ford allergy clinics, so we were able to place the electronic referral in the chart that they would receive on their end to schedule the patient. 
And we also wanted to get a sense of how soon can the patients be seen by allergy after the referral, since this is a fairly time-sensitive um, procedure um, and skin testing that would need to be um, worked out. And they were able to fit in a lot of these patients within two weeks of the referral, which was great. And they were aware of the intervention and how this was time-sensitive, so they were conscious of that. Um, we also wanted to just get a sense of what the tests that they would um, do. So um, for us, they did penicillin skin testing coupled with a amoxicillin oral challenge um, for the allergy testing, just in case I got questions when I um, uh, told the patient that I would like to refer them to allergy. And we also got their feedback on the allergy um, interview questions just to make sure we are collecting all of the appropriate information that they would need um, in the criteria to refer the patient to allergy. So overall, they, they were very positive feedback from all of the groups, including the surgeons when we educate them of the intervention. That's great. You know, and maybe something that would be important for people to know. So I, I know there's a lot of interest because you do have this great, it sounds like, referral program for allergy. But also, this is a very specialized uh, pre-anesthesia clinic, correct? These were just patients who were at high risk for complications. Do you want to talk a little bit about the clinic setting that you were able to deploy this in? Yes, the perioperative optimization clinic sees select patients that are going to have a procedure. And yes, they are high risk patients. So they could be either high risk because of their comorbidities that they have or high risk because of the procedures that they're gonna undergo. Um, so yeah, you're correct. They, this would not capture every patient that um, was going for a procedure. Sometimes um, the lower risk patients are seen by their primary care physician, uh, which this study did not capture. Um, since this was a pilot, we did wanna focus in on just one group of clinics, um, which I think is a good start if um, anyone is wanting to implement this, is to start small and then you can expand from there once the process is figured out. That's great to advice to start small and then grow with time. Now, the actual intervention was done by your pharmacist. So was this a pharmacist as part of their normal clinical responsibilities because you were a resident at the time? Did you just have to add this onto your resident day? How did you operationalize this with the pharmacy piece? So yes, this was done by myself as a pharmacy resident. And by the end of the study, um, we were able to justify a new allergy nurse practitioner to carry this on moving forward to make it more sustainable. Um, my part was mainly a, a new initiative pilot run. Um, so in the future, the nurse practitioner was able to justify that position and carry on this intervention. Now, when you were doing it, how about how long would it take? So you would identify a patient, would you have to do a lot of pre-call screening? You know, How long would it take to screen the patient, to call the patient, and then provide the follow-up back to the team? Yeah, I think this actually got quicker over time. So when I pre-screened, the, the, I would use the optimization clinic schedule to screen through the patients to find the beta-lactam allergic patients. And then as far as workup, the workup was fairly minimal. I just made sure that they met our inclusion exclusion criteria. 
as well as um, just looking at the allergy and seeing if they've ever tolerated cefazolin or cefoxetin in the past. Because if they did tolerate either one of those, then I would still call them, but they would most likely get uh, the first line antibiotic again if I saw that they were, were able to tolerate that antibiotic in the past. For the phone call itself, um, it kind of ranged. Um, it would probably range from about maybe five to seven minutes, um, depending on the discussion. A lot of these interviews are fairly short because a lot of patients can't remember the full details since it could have happened in the past. So the interview itself was fairly short. However, if I did refer them to the allergy clinic, I did spend some time um, explaining to them what phone number to follow up with and where the clinic is, as well as if they had to uh, hold any medications before the allergy visit, just so that they're able to get the skin test at that time. Yeah, that sounds very thorough. Now, I did note that you reported that you, you were unable to reach about 24% of the intervention patients when you tried by phone. Mm -hmm. What did you learn from that? Is there anything you would do differently if you were going to try to roll this out again? Or I know you've, um, you're now in an affiliate institution of Henry Ford as a stewardship pharmacist there that, you, that you've completed training. Um, is there anything, you, if you were trying to replicate this at your current hospital, anything you'd do differently to try to increase that yield? I think part of the reason was something very small logistically. My phone did not have an answering machine. So I think that would probably be very helpful in the future is having a mechanism of how would the patient call you back um, to make it more successful because I really relied on hoping the patient would pick up the phone um, to talk with me. So I think that's something very small, but something that I didn't really think about before the um, intervention started is how will the patient call you back um, if you're unable to reach the patient. Oh, that's very helpful to know. Um, and, and also a problem, I think, for some of our teams that might be trying to implement that. So good to, to have a mechanism for patients to reach back out to you. Now, I also read with interest where you talked about what happened after a, an allergy was better described or completely eliminated from concern. Talk to me, because we spend a lot of time within our member hospitals, whether it's a perioperative beta-lactam allergy protocol or just a beta-lactam allergy protocol in general, talking about do we delabel the patient and remove the penicillin allergy, or do we relabel the patient and just clarify the penicillin allergy? So tell me what you all decided to do and what your approach was to that conundrum. I think that's a great question and something that I struggled with when I was first putting this together is obviously there are huge benefits of delabeling, but you always worry about the patient getting relabeled with the allergy if they tell a future health professional that they are allergic when you already clarified this and all your work is lost because they're relabeled. Um, so I think one of the biggest components of delabeling allergies is the patient education component. Because if a patient is delabeled without this education, the patient will not know and they could potentially just be relabeled again. Um, so for our study, we decided that only the allergist will delabel the patient if the patient passes a penicillin skin test and the oral challenge. For myself, I did update the allergy with um, the allergy field with a description of the reaction, the timing, and previous um, 
they lacked him use so that all the information was available. Um, however, I do think that like if someone was a, a, uh, rolling this out in the future, that it would be good to create some type of criteria for the label. Um, and also since you're talking to the patient, if you do identify that they should be de-labeled, that um, patient education should be part of that discussion um, before de-labeling. That's great advice. Now, I know not all of our facilities have ready access to an allergy team. And from what you reported, um, for patients who had a beta-lactam allergy, about 64, 65% actually got referred to allergy. Do you think that this would be a worthwhile initiative, even if you didn't have that referral to allergy, given the high percentage of patients you sent on? Yeah, I mean, in the ideal setting, it would be nice to have allergy involved to some capacity, especially in those who've had a history of anaphylaxis. However, I know that it's not always possible and not always convenient for um, the patients to follow up with allergy. Um, so in any case, we still had a, about a third of the patients who were still able to get cefazlin without a allergy referral. And this was just by doing the interview itself or seeing if the patient has received cefazlin in the past. Um, so these patients who have safely received cefazlin in the, in the past are really a long hanging fruit for this intervention that pharmacists can do. Shana, one interesting finding that we noted was that even in patients that you recommended alternative agents, there was a certain percentage of them that got cefazolin anyways. Fortunately, there were no reactions, but tell us a little bit more about that group of patients. Yeah, so we did recommend alternative antibiotics if the patient did not follow up with the allergy clinic. Um, and we did see that even if we recommend alternatives and they still got cefazolin. And I did see from chart review that um, by us clarifying the allergy and adding more information about the allergy, the surgeon itself felt more comfortable with giving cefazolin just by reading the allergy history that was provided, um, even if they qualified for getting a skin test. So for example, um, patients who had an unknown reaction uh, we recommended having them go to the allergy clinic, and if they didn't follow up, then we recommend alternatives. Um, however, if the surgeon felt comfortable giving that cefazolin, they were still able to at their discretion, and luckily no one had a adverse reaction. So I think this just goes to show that clarifying it and providing more information for the surgeon or physician prescribing the antibiotics can be impactful, um, even if they don't follow up with allergy. That's very interesting. I, you already mentioned that as a result of this project, probably one of the most impactful pharmacy residency projects I've heard of, you actually were able to justify this as an ongoing service with a new position in the clinic. So I know that will get a lot of interest from our member hospitals. Tell me a little bit more about what you looked at in terms of return on investment, et cetera, to help sponsor that position. Yeah, we um, collaborate with the allergy clinic all throughout this intervention. And um, I think they had an idea to justify a new nurse practitioner, but this 
was def this intervention was definitely instrumental in hiring a and justifying a new nurse practitioner for allergy to expand our penicillin skin testing um, in the clinics, as well as um, having this nurse practitioner do penicillin skin testing for our inpatients in the hospital. So allergy was definitely involved in doing the return on investment for the um, NP and justifying that there is a need for more penicillin skin testing in the preoperative setting with this study. I love that. I know that we've talked to many of our hospitals about how to get inpatient testing supported. And you have just done a fantastic job of showing how with this outpatient intervention, it makes such a difference in patients to really get better antibiotics for surgical prophylaxis than the alternatives we see in many of our patients who have penicillin allergies reported. Um, this is just great work. Is there anything else you want our listeners to hear or, or anything we've missed in sharing? No, I don't think so. I, I think the, the key part of this is uh, getting all of your collaborators on the same page. And I think this is a meaningful and very impactful intervention that can be done in I think pharmacists are very well positioned to uh, continue on this uh, intervention and to implement it. So I think it's, it is worthwhile and something that um, should be pursued if um, you have all your key stakeholders in place. Great. Well, thank you so much. Um, we hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Dayson Digest. This is Libby Dodds-Ashley, and I was delighted to be joined today by Shana Kwiatkowski, who is the lead author on this article. Please reach out to your Dayson liaisons if you want more information about implementing a similar program at your institution. Have a great day.